The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Beth Moore describes life after Satan has had his way. Is there no way we let a person move on? But have you ever noticed that when you get up courage enough to move on in Jesus, you got people in your life that don't want you to. They do not want you to because they feel power over you as long as they can still remind you of your shame. Learning to let Jesus cover our shame as we spend Wednesdays in the Word. Thank you, and we welcome you to Life Today. I'm James Robison, and my wife Betty and I are glad you join us on Life Today. We've got a, a, a series of devotionals for every day of the year. Every day, a new day, and they actually reflect the seasons of the year by the cover, and we take you through the entire year, just giving you some spiritual insight in the Word, giving you an opportunity to journal, which is one of the reasons a lot of you enjoy watching and listening to Beth Moore not only in her incredible uh, seminars and wherever she's speaking and sharing, but right here on Life Today all around the world. And Beth is talking about the battle that we have spiritually. You know, Betty, the book that really made her famous was Breaking Free, where Beth really brought to the forefront the fact that we're in a spiritual battle, that there is spiritual warfare, and we really need the armor of God and the divine enabling of God in order to overcome, but also to get out of the ditch, which she says sometimes... Uh, we fall in it, sometimes we're thrown in it, and sometimes we dig it ourselves and get in it. But we all need freedom because we are in a fierce battle, and that's what she's talking about. I hope you enjoy what she's sharing. Welcome, Beth Moore. Here she is. chapter 8, verse 26. I'd love to read all the way through 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. Everybody say, many a time. Many it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. We talked about the isolation in our last series when the enemy has his full way. Verse 30, Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. One of the oddest moments that you'll ever find in all of the New Testament. But I do think it bears notice that when the enemy has his full way, when this herd was infiltrated by all these demons, isn't it interesting that they went off a cliff? If you ever want to know what the enemy wants you to do with your life, 
It would be to go right off a cliff because they had nothing to hinder him. They had no voice, nothing they could do with that legion. They had their full way with them and went right off that cliff. Anybody know what it's like to be standing right on the edge of a cliff thinking if anybody even breathes on you, you will go over. And I got good news for you today. You are not going over that cliff in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Because no, he has come to save us from the edge of the cliff. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Now, needless to say, they've lost their livelihood, so they're fairly upset. Verse 35, then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus. They wouldn't have to, have to do that today. It would be on YouTube, amen? Like they'd already have like a, we'd all be watching, have like a million views within the first week. And it says, then people went out to see what had happened, verse 35, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, do not forget this part, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Anybody? I mean, that's, this is not really the heart of where we're going in this present series, but I do think it is cause for pause that literally our restoration and freedom could scare people worse than our bondage. Yes. We can be in bondage so long that the people around us are used to our bondage. We are scarier to them when we are free. Anybody? I need somebody. I need somebody. Because there are people that are so afraid of what people do when they are freed up and do not have that kind of bondage and those kinds of chains on them, they have no idea what to do with a whole person. Verse 36, and those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them. They asked Jesus to leave because they were so afraid of the deliverance of this man, for he had, they were seized with great fear, it says. So he got into the boat and returned. By return, it means went over across the, the uh, lake and went back to Galilee. Verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And so he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So in the first half of our series, we looked at it from the perspective of this. What would an environment look like if the enemy had his full sway? We ever want to see what would an environment be like if he just got to do everything he could possibly do. You are looking at it. Now, you, you might say, well, no, he would have killed him. Well, I am not so sure about that. He is a murderer. The Word of God tells us Jesus told us that uh, in the Gospel of John. We know that for a fact. But I'm not sure he's for doing it really early on because I think he loves to torment people. See, the whole family was torn up because they couldn't subdue him. So everybody was upset because he'd been put out of the family. He's living around the tomb. See, there's a great impact of somebody in complete torment because it not only torments the one person, but everyone who loves them, everyone in community with them, they are also tormented. I need somebody to say amen. amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm not just sure he wants to kill us off immediately. I think he gets a whole lot of ground 
out of tormenting a whole group of people with his activity. I think that's what we're seeing here. We established four basic points, and they were these. I'll give them to you. Number one, where Satan has his way, people live among the tombs. We talk about how we cling to things that are long since gone and dead in our lives, dead relationships, our, our dead past, whatever it may be, still clinging around things that are dead and lifeless instead of being out in the light and with the life of the abundance of Christ. Number two was where Satan has his way, people have no voice. That's a huge in the narrative that the enemy had taken over the voice of the man. Number three, where Satan has his way, people feel outmatched. And number four, where Satan has his way, people are out of control and out of community. But in our present series, we're going to talk about especially one dimension of what happens when Jesus has his way. Somebody say out loud when Jesus has his way. Listen, if you want life to begin for you, just say to him today, have your way. You, if, you, if you want to see him begin to do something dramatic, when we just throw open our arms to Jesus and say to him, you have your way, it is about to happen. Still to come. You've come to Bible study today to get some new clothes. <laughs> some new clothes. I like me some new clothes. Well, we want God's will and God's way. Beth's going to continue this teaching in just a few minutes. But uh, it's been so important to Beth and to all of us that you understand doing it God's way is literally sharing His love freely. And I'm going to show you something right now. I, I don't know that I've seen many things that moved me this much. It's, it's like we just stepped into a setting that was very real. And, and know we can do something about it. Very real. Very necessary. Watch it. See if you don't want to. มุยตะโกนกะนั่งดําบายกะนั่งหลายโกนชื่อสดายโกนนะยังจะง่ายอยู่โกนชลับโตเนาะยังมาล้อมนะนึกโกนยังมาเลยเออเออเออเออเออเ
If it would be you, if you'd be the one to help her, it will make a huge difference in the lives of this precious woman, her children, other families in this village and villages all around the world. We could come in here and drill them a well that would give them water for life. It'll change everything in a moment's time. Please don't hesitate. Don't wait any longer. We need your help. We, uh, we know what it feels like to lose a child. It is indescribable, and I wouldn't have shown you that. And that precious mother holding two other children. If I didn't know, we could stop the continuation of the heartache. We can give those children a future by giving them clean water. We can. And maybe you've had someone in your life very close to you, and you feel the pain that that mother feels. Mm -hmm. She's weeping from deep down in her heart. She, yes, she has other children, but she loves them all so deeply, and she's concerned that she's going to lose them. But you know what? There's an answer. There is a, a way. There's hope, and that's through drilling the water wells. We can save families like this from having to offer the only thing they have is the diseased water. But we can give them pure, clean water. Won't you join with us? You'll be so blessed as you do. Please do it. Um, we must drill a well right there. I would like to think that there are many of you who'd say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll drill that one. It does cost $4,800 per well, and you must understand that it is that cost because of all of the savings and efforts that our mission workers and relief workers put into it and the fact that you bought all the drilling equipment for all the different rigs. You paid for it. And so they're ready to go. And we know that there's water there that we can get. And, and many of these wells are, are relatively shallow maybe 200, 250 feet maximum. But sometimes we have to go further, but it averages out 4,800. I think there's someone saying, I want to drill that well right there. I want to give those little children, I want to give them a future. I want to stop the heartache. I can't heal what happened there. She's over that little mound of dirt where her little girl is. Let's not let it happen again. And please know that there are 500 areas like that where the missionaries have taken us to those situations, where the missionaries are there filled with love and say, we want to show these village people and these people in this community, in this area, what love looks like. So we want to drill 500 wells, $4,800. Maybe you could give 24 and pray someone joins you, or 1,200 and pray three join you. Most of the money that comes for the wells, for the 500, comes from people who give $48, or $144, 48, 10 people water the rest of their lives. That's an amazing gift, it just keeps giving. 144, 30 people, that's how it averages out. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org and make the gift, use your bank card like a check, or you can dial the number and use your bank card like a check. You should always use that card that way, like a check. Please do it. If you write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're sending. We want to send you some beautiful gifts to bless you. A beautiful devotional guide, beautiful names of Jesus pins that you have said, we want those because you've used them to witness. And a beautiful Thomas Kincaid painting, a canvas that you will appreciate, already framed. Please right now go online 
or dial the number and just express not only your heart, but God's heart for precious people like that and so many others that we can help. Thank you for doing it. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice, drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the Everyday A New Day devotional. Broken out into the four seasons of the year, this daily devotional features scriptures, inspirational thoughts, a Bible reading plan, and a place for you to journal each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Names of Jesus pen set, one inscribed with the names of Jesus found in Scripture, and the other reflecting the gifts of the Spirit. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well, and request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. I have never, not once, taught on what I'm about to teach you now. So, I have a little bit of trepidation about it because it is an odd topic. In fact, if you say to somebody, well, this is what our, our theme was on um, Wednesday's um, Bible study on life today, when you tell them that, they're not likely to want to really tune in if that's all you tell them. You might have to get a little bit clearer because where I want to go with you is to the place where it says in verse 27, would you look with me, when it says, when Jesus had stepped onto land, there he met a man from the city who had had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. And he had not lived in the house, but among the tombs. I very specifically did not mention this little detail in the first part of our series because I wanted to save it for our entire time here in our present half of our series on the demoniac in Luke chapter 8, because this gets very, very interesting. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. We're going to talk about nakedness, but we're not just going to talk about literal. We're going to talk about it from a theological point of view. It is very literal in Luke chapter 8. I want to remind you of a portion of uh, Genesis 2 in verse 25 in the garden when it says that Adam and Eve had been unclothed and were unashamed. That's how it all began. But here we see a whole turn of events because from that point forward, once the fall happened in the garden and, um, and man uh, went for the bait that the enemy and the, the serpent himself had set before them, once that happened, then it became a covering over that nakedness. So I want you to think with me in theological terms because that's exactly what we're talking about in our present series, that Jesus... Jesus Christ clothes us. I want to talk to you about the theological, biblical fact 
that Jesus Christ clothes us, that whom he restores, he also robes. I want somebody to get in, in that with me. I want somebody to go ahead and say amen by faith. Because listen, let me tell you something. Where this goes was almost an undoing for me. I was so overwhelmed by the compassion and beauty of Christ. Now stay here with me here for a second. Since the fall of man, when we're thinking in terms of a theology of, um, of uh, coverage, of being covered by God, I want you to think what the theology of nakedness would be. That would be um, open in our shame or open without our dignity, exposing our fallenness. Is that fair to say? So I want you to think through this for a moment. When was the last time you felt like you had really exposed your folly? Anybody? I need to just ask somebody that's got guts enough to raise their hand in this room, and I'm wondering about on the other side of that screen. Anybody ever just flat out embarrassed yourself in front of people? Anybody? Anybody embarrassed yourself almost habitually? Anybody had a season that you didn't just embarrass, like it was a season of embarrassment? It can happen to us in our workplace. We can just, we can come under shame. Maybe we've had a demotion at work, uh, put, been put in a different position. Somebody got that higher instead of us. Something happened um, where we felt shamed. It can happen in a church. It can happen in any kind of social environment. It can certainly happen in a family and often does happen in a family where you feel like you have lost your dignity and you cannot get it back. If that has ever been you or if it ever will be you, listen, you need to tune in because this is one of the most beautiful things that you can possibly find in this narrative where the enemy had come to torment and left this man completely exposed in his shame and he is clothed at the end of the scene and in his right mind. And I want you to press into this story with me. What happens when people want to remind you of your shame, how you have exposed your foolishness or your stupidity. Have any of those? Let me tell you something. I have got some friends that are stuck back in my old life. I need somebody. <laughs> and I don't care how many years have gone by, we bring up the same thing about me sooner or later when we have a reunion. Anybody? They go, well, remember when? You know, I'm actually, I'm trying not to any longer remember when. Because stay with me here. It's been decades. It's been decades. Is there, is there no way we let a person move on? But have you ever noticed that when you get up courage enough to move on in Jesus, you got people in your life that don't want you to. They do not want you to because they feel power over you as long as they can still remind you of your shame. Come on, listen, we're about to get some robes on. I, I'm tired of it. Anybody else? I'm tired of it. I'm the new me. I'm not the old me. And I get to put on a new robe. Anybody? So we're at, we're, we, you've come to Bible study today to get some new clothes. Some new clothes. I like me some new clothes. Now, look at something. This is what just killed me. Now, I don't know if I'm right about this, 
but I'm going to throw it out to you because, I mean, here we've got it. What do you have up here at the top of the um, narrative when it says, in 27, for a long time, the man had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs, he's got a legion of demons. Come on down. We've seen and read what happens when um, Jesus calls them forth from him. But I want you to see now in verse 35, it says then, then the people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed. Everybody say clothed. clothed. And in his right mind and they were afraid. Clothed. Okay, now wait a second because Jesus came to the shore, he gets off of the boat. The man with the legion of demons meets him on the shore. He's been um, around the tombs. He has gone on no clothes, and now they come out. So he's not gone into town. They come out where he is because they've heard the news. But now he's sitting there in clothes when he's had no clothes. So I ask you today, how did he get him some clothes? <laughs> How did he get him some clothes? Because I'm going to tell you, there was not a TJ Maxx <laughs> of the garrisons. There was not a chest of drawers there among the tombs. The man had no clothes. He meets Jesus. He's got him some clothes. How, I ask you, how? And I'm just going to present to you, could it be, just would you hear this out of Isaiah 61.10, I got chill bumps just shooting right up my arms. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. I just wonder if Jesus just took off what was on his shoulders and went, you know what, wear this. I don't know. I don't know. He knew what was coming. Maybe he grabbed something extra. But what I'm going to tell you is this. The man had no clothes, and then he was clothed. The only thing that had changed was Jesus Christ. So this I promise you, Jesus dressed him. Is that fair? Is that fair? Jesus dressed him. Oh, boy, I'm going to tell you something. If, if You know, we really, when we're not right with God, I think there's a sense of you just kind of feel naked, exposed, and dear God, help us. I mean, we're the only creation that can blush, that can actually feel shame. But yet God doesn't want us to feel shame. He wants to take it away. He wants to dress us. You remember how he clothed Adam and Eve? He wants to dress us and cover us, and cover us with his love. We want to help you grow in that love. That's what Beth's doing. We want to help you get in the Word every day, a devotional, biblical truth, an opportunity to journal, which journaling is such a blessing. Peter Lord's the first person to tell us how meaningful that was, and sure enough it is. We're sending you the beautiful names of Jesus' pens that will bless you, be a witness. The Forest Chapel painting by Thomas Kincaid, it hangs here in our studio, it's beautiful. We have it in our bedroom. It's, uh, it's just fabulous, and uh, we hope you get it, and just know that when you reach out and touch someone with love, it's really as though Jesus has touched them because we are his body. Thank you so much for watching Life Today. Tell your friends to watch. Tell them about Wednesdays in the Word. Thank all of you.
Tomorrow, Ken and Johnny Erickson Tata share how they rely on God's strength while suffering in the snare of ongoing disability and disease. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.